Welcome to the Rail Market Update on the State of Freight podcast brought to you by FTR, where we share timely transportation intelligence with you on a weekly basis. The Rail Market Update is hosted by FTR's Vice President of Rail and Intermodal, Todd Tronowski. As Todd presents the information in the podcast, you can follow along and review the graphs and indicators by downloading a PDF or PowerPoint version of the presentation from our podcast landing page. A link to the PDF is available now at www.ftrintel.com slash podcast. From there, you can also find past episodes and downloads of the Rail Market Update, as well as the weekly trucking market update with Avery Vice and much more. That link again is www.ftrintel.com slash podcast. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the FTR State of Freight Rail Market Update Podcast. As always, I am your host, Todd Tronowski, the Vice President of Rail and Intermodal here at FTR. Thank you for joining us this week and every week. Uh, Let's jump right in this week. Uh, I know a lot of folks are out traveling. It was good to see a lot of folks at the Midwest Association of Rail Shippers Conference in suburban Chicago this year. Uh, it's always good to see people. They had over 930 people at the event. That is, is quite a feat, quite an achievement. Not only was it a, in a record attendance, but it also, you, know, you brought 900 people to Chicago in January. Now, yes, I know a good majority of them live there, uh, but still, to get several hundred people uh, to come to Chicago in January, you know you're doing something uh, something right. It was great to see a lot of colleagues, a lot of industry contacts, a lot of clients, a lot of prospects, uh, be able to shake your hand, uh, see you in person, and talk about talk about the market so that was that was great hopefully you got to be a part of that if not hopefully we'll see you out on the road here here soon excuse me but let's let's jump right in let's talk about the agenda for this week well if we look at the numbers uh, intermodal was up sequentially but it remained at pretty weak levels overall so yes it was up but it still uh, has a long way to go to be considered a positive number for the industry, a positive volume uh, figure at all. On the carload side, uh, certainly more than just coal and grain participated this week in a little bit of a, a shift from the first week of the year where it was all coal and grain driven. Other sectors, other commodity groups certainly play a role, uh, but there are also uh, questions about that as well. Certainly, uh, there was a positive result, but it was also uh, not great from a historical perspective uh, on the carload market. And in a lot of the sectors, as we go through, uh, you'll see that in the, in the charts and the data uh, that we talk through. But let's start with intermodal. Uh, intermodal certainly improved dramatically from where it was the first week of the year. Uh, when I say dramatically, I'm talking 50,000 car loads uh, a week sequentially. I uh, have an increase in week two over week one. But that number is still not back to last year's level. Uh, it's well off the five-year average, about 10% off the five-year average. So, yes, it improved sequentially. Uh, no, it is not a number worth writing home about. It's not particularly good. It does not signal that intermodal has turned the corner. It does not signal uh, that intermodal is, is getting to a point where uh, volumes are back and volumes are going to be back. Volumes are, in fact, still very weak on an absolute basis. So it's not, uh, yes, it's a, a large sequential gain, uh, but do not lose sight of the fact that the overall number is still uh, potentially very, very weak. On the trailer side of the house, uh, volumes did increase. 
Uh, they increased by a couple thousand units sequentially, uh, but that was not enough to break the overall narrative. We were still down almost 30% on a year-over-year basis, and more than that compared to the five average. Let that sink in for just a second. Almost 30% off uh, from a weak 2022 result. It's not as though 2022 was some high watermark or some uh, some 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 gangbusters year for the trailer market. It wasn't. In fact, it was quite the opposite. It was fairly weak. So to be 30% below that number, uh, that's certainly not a great place to be. Container volumes, now they're 90% of the overall intermodal traffic. You can see this looks a lot like overall intermodal volumes. Yes, it increased sequentially. Not enough to be positive for last year. Uh, it's not close to its five-year average, uh, down about 4% on a year-over-year basis. From a 22 that was weak, that was not a great year. So this is this is not a great result for containers, though, though not particularly unexpected. When you look at the competitive landscape that Intermodal is in relative to its competition in the domestic truckload market, Intermodal is negatively positioned, and it is expected to continue to be negatively positioned for essentially the entire rest of the year. Even as it starts to gain in competitiveness during the peak season, it is still going to be negative. It is not going to get back to neutral footing in 2023 based on what we see going on in the truckload market as well as the intermodal market. One of the things that we've talked about a lot on the sidelines at the Mars meeting this week uh, was having to do with employee counts and what will happen uh, once folks get their back pay. Will we see uh, folks pack it in? Railroad retirement is one of the most generous retirement packages going out there. Uh, if you have 20 years in and, and you have the age, you can you can go with full benefits. And so that is something that we'll have to watch in the months ahead to see just how successful the railroads are at hiring in excess of attrition. Because that is going to drive service and that is ultimately going to drive what happens with volumes as we go through not just 2023, but 2024 as well. So let's let's shift gears and let's talk about Carlo. You heard me allude to it in the open. Uh, volumes moved up. Volumes moved above their five-year average in Carlo for the first time in a very long time. It's been almost two years since we've been above our five-year average figure. Uh, so it has been a long time coming, and it is a, a strong sequential increase. It is above last year, and it, the good thing is that it was not just coal and grain that participated. If you listened to the podcast last week, we talked a lot about how it was coal and grain that was driving the bus, that was providing uh, really the impetus and really the only impetus behind last week's 5% year-over-year increase. Uh, this week, uh, a broader group of commodity sectors participated, and that's a good thing for carload go. Excuse me, a good thing for carload going forward. Economically sensitive freight. Uh, we talked about it last week about how it was below last year, below the five-year average. Well, this week. It's above last year by about 5%, and it's basically in line with the five-year average. So the economically sensitive freight commodities, the metals, the pulp and paper, the lumber, the automotive, the non-metallic minerals, the, uh, the aggregate volume, that started to come to bear in week two. It took a little bit longer from the jump, but it definitely showed up in the second week of the year. Now, showing up is relative. The five-year average is not 
not a strong number. It's an, it's exactly what it implies. It's an average number. So, but that's still from where we've been over the last years in the cargo markets. You'll take the five-year average. You will take that every day of the week and say, you know, things weren't that bad, and certainly weren't as bad as they could have been, given how the year started. Now, just the level set everybody on economically sensitive freight. I know I say it each and every week. Uh, but you never know who's out there. You never know who's listening for the first time. When we talk about economically sensitive freight, that means no coal, no agriculture, and no petroleum. Just those sectors that are more closely tied to the underlying economy. Those things, metals, aggregates, things we've talked through. It's just sort of the, what some folks call core carload volume. The less commodity-driven uh, bulk sectors are, are excluded. The less commodity-driven uh, sectors, spread-driven sectors, uh, those sorts of things that move not just on uh, economic value and service, but also move on uh, on commodity prices. We pull those out to get to our economically sensitive uh, freight figure. But you cannot ignore the bulk sectors. So let's not ignore the bulk sectors. Let's talk about coal. Coal moved up sequentially, like the rest of the carload complex. Now, it moved up strongly last year as well, so on a year-over-year improvement basis, we're not up nearly as much as we were last week. We were never going to match last week's 21% year-over-year improvement, but we were up close to 5% year-over-year, and we're essentially back to our five-year average. And if you listen to this podcast all the time, you know that I talked to the end of 2022 about how the five-year average was sort of... uh, unattainable and shouldn't be thought of as a number we're going to get back to. Well, we're basically back there in the early part of 2023. Do I think we're able to sustain this for 52 weeks? No. But we are there to start the year. We'll have to see what happens as we as we go through the year. Grain? Grain also had a very strong sequential uptick. Up above 40,000 carloads a week. Basically to the level that we ran at for most of the fourth quarter in 2022. So that suggests that we're continuing to see strong demand, particularly from folks who are not based in the U.S., who are trying to backfill uh, backfill their demand when normal traditional sources of supply aren't available to them. We continue to see that going. We're up almost 30% on a year-over-year basis. And while 2022 uh, was a very weak number for the grain markets, anytime you're up 30% in something, uh, you have to stop and take note. You have to say uh, that that was a very good show. The question now will be, uh, how do we keep it going over the first quarter? Do we continue to run above 40,000 calls a week, or do we do we come back to a 35? Do we come back to, to 32? Where does it level set? Or does it sustain these levels? I certainly think it's possible it could sustain these levels, given everything geopolitically that's going on right now and what that means for global grain markets. I think you definitely have some tailwinds in North America on the grain business. We'll just have to wait and see how it, how it all shakes out. So let's shift gears now and go back to those economically sensitive sensitive freight sectors. Easy for me to say. Uh, Let's talk about the chemicals market. Now, to start the year, uh, we did not have a very good week one in the chemicals market. It was uh, very weak, to put it mildly, to put it politely. Now, we did see a strong sequential gain, but it was not enough 
to post a year-over-year improvement, it was not even enough to get us back to the five-year average. And this is something, as I talked about last week, this is the one chart that would keep me up at night if I'm thinking about the overall economy. This goes into so many different manufacturing processes, industrial processes. It's not just the headline flammable liquids. It's not just the hazardous materials. There are lots of base chemicals in here uh, that are very important to the underlying economy. And if that's slowing down meaningfully, that is something we're going to have to reconcile with. That is something we're going to have to think about as the Fed continues to tighten, as we continue to see uh, things in the overall broader economy uh, slow down. We're going to have to reconcile whether uh, this was our canary in the coal mine, the chemicals uh, sector particularly because of its exposure to so many industrial and manufacturing processes. Looking at petroleum products, it followed the pattern of most other colored commodities and increased significantly sequentially, well up on last year, but still not back to the five-year average. Though, interestingly, we are now up above 22,000 carloads a week. Now, we should see, if normal seasonality occurs, we should see that softening throughout the first quarter. Uh, but we're still going to soften back possibly to the high end of the range we had been in, that 19 to 21,000 carload a week band that we've been in really since the economy reopened uh, post-COVID pandemic in 2020. And we're presently above that. And we'll have to see if we can hold on to that or if we get back to those levels. Uh, my money would be on getting back to the range we had held uh, with some downside risk as we go through the balance of the year. I don't see... Petroleum products volumes continuing to run at these strong levels uh, for the rest of 2023. Stone, sand, and gravel, uh, the, the beat goes on in this sector. Uh, you've heard me say it a lot last year if you're a regular listener. Uh, I've said it last week. I'll say it again. It continues to be a major contributor to growth in the car markets. It says the construction demand, construction activity, highway projects. It says that all those things continue uh, to go well. We're above last year by nearly 20%. We're above the five-year average by, call it, 10 or 15%. Uh, it is a good news story that stone, sand, and gravel picked up in 2023 right where it left off in 2022. That says that things are uh, going gangbusters, that things are going well, and that's important. That says uh, that there is uh, momentum here and staying power, particularly as we get toward the start of another construction season at the end of the first quarter. That suggests that a bias here could be to the upside as we go through as we go through the year. But not all construction sectors have shared the same fate. Uh, lumber and wood had the same uh, strong sequential gain that we saw across a large number of commodity groups in the carload business. Uh, but still, nearly 10% off on a year-over-year -year basis, nearly 10% off the five-year average. Uh, this is a sector that's going to face a lot of headwinds. It's going to struggle. Uh, there's no real... Uh, upside scenario. I know no bright side uh, for lumber and wood so long as mortgage rates remain high, so long as uh, the housing market remains uh, facing its issues. Uh, lumber and wood is going to, to be uh, on the struggle bus for 2023. Other parts of the forest products complex? Pulp and paper. It's been a weak sector. You've heard me talk about it for most of the last uh, really 12 months now. We've been talking about how weak pulp and paper is. Uh, that continued 
in the second week of the year. Most every commodity group we've talked about, uh, intermodal or otherwise, has shown a strong sequential gain. Not our friends in pulp and paper. Essentially, it's flat on a, on a on a week-to-week basis from week one to week two. It did not increase at all. Uh, it was very flat. Now, that helped it post a year-over-year gain compared to 2022. Uh, last year, there was a, a sequential drop. So we didn't see a drop. So from that perspective, uh, there's, there's a glass-half-full perspective to everything. Uh, that would be it in the pulp and paper sector. Uh, but it is... Uh, essentially flat on a year-over-year basis in what was a very weak 2022. Uh, This is not a sector that I'm looking, again, looking for a lot of growth from in 2023. I expect if we we maintain 2022, we'll be doing well, and there is certainly the potential for downside risk as we we go through the year. One sector I'll wrap up with automotive, uh, we continue to see us run above the five-year average to start 2023. We saw that strong sequential uptick. We're up about 12% on a year-over-year basis. We're edging out just a little bit ahead of our five-year average, but that suggests that maybe we're starting to cycle semiconductors. Maybe these are becoming less of an issue. You're seeing production return to normal levels. Uh, anecdotally, uh, I passed a, an automotive facility on a Class 1 railroad uh, recently, and it had been very low from an inventory perspective, and it was nearly full. So that says that there is a normalization coming uh, in the automotive space, that it is ongoing, and that we could see uh, these levels close to 25,000 carloads a week, which were normal before the pandemic, that we are getting back to those levels and we could expect to consistently run at those levels for most of the year. That would be uh, my expectation. That would be where I would put uh, where I would put my money if I were a betting person. I would bet on uh, 25,000 to 27,000 carloads a week for uh, most of the balance of 2023. So let's wrap up. Uh, intermodal volume weakness is significant to start the year. Uh, it has not shown the same uh, improvements that we saw in the carload market on a sequential basis. Uh, it has not shown the same sort of ability to go above uh, last year's levels to go even with its five-year average. Uh, carload volumes are showing a little bit of life to start the year, but we will see. We will see uh, how it translates over the full quarter, over the full month. There are lots of headwinds uh, in the winter in the first quarter related to weather. Uh, we'll just have to see where we are. But even with the bounce back we've seen in Carload, on a historical basis, volumes are still weak. This is not the railroads successfully pivoting to growth. I don't want anybody to go away from this podcast and think, hey, everything is better. Uh, Carload volumes are growing again. Uh, the railroads have made the pivot to growth. They have improved from very low levels. Yes, uh, they have not turned a quarter. They are not. Show, they are not in a position to take share at this point from trucks. They are simply uh, getting back to uh, what was particularly weak levels coming out of the post-pandemic period. Uh, they are not. They're not growing in the sense of growing the business over the long term. Now, can they, if they continue this pace, if they continue to add additional volumes, we could get to that point. 
but we're not there today. And I want everybody to, to understand that. Now, next week, we'll have a very special podcast. We have a very special guest next week. Uh, we are very lucky to have with us next week uh, the Association of American Railroads President and Chief Executive Officer, uh, Ian Jeffries. He is going to be on the program. Uh, we're going to talk about some of the issues facing the industry. Surely we'll talk about volume growth or lack thereof. We'll talk about service. We'll talk about uh, things inside the Beltway. Uh, from a legislative perspective, from a uh, from a agency perspective as well. Certainly the Service Transportation Board and Federal Railroad Administration have each been busy in their own ways. Uh, we're going to get Ian's thoughts and have a discussion on all of those topics uh, next week. So you will not want... You will not want to miss the FTR State of Freight Rail Market Update podcast uh, next week for sure. Uh, and with that, I'd like to thank you for joining us this week. If you ever, if you ever have any questions, easy for me to say, uh, about what you're in the podcast, what you're seeing in the markets, what you're seeing in your in your business, what you're seeing in our forecast and reports, feel free to reach out to myself or any member of the FTR team. Uh, we are here to talk about transportation. That is why we get up in the morning. That is literally one of our driving forces to talk about and solve, help solve transportation issues. So reach out at any point. We'd love to have that discussion, have that communication, have that uh, talk about what's going on and, and the reasons behind uh, why we think what we think about the markets. And with that, have a great week. We'll talk to you again next week. That's it for this week's Rail Market Update on the State of Freight podcast. The Rail Market Update will be published each week along with a downloadable PDF of the presentation. If you find this transportation intelligence useful, please take a moment to give us a positive rating on your podcast platform of choice and send us your feedback by email at podcast.ftrintel.com. You can find more publicly available State of Freight content and download the PDF of today's presentation by going to www.ftrintel.com slash podcast. FTR is the leader in freight transportation forecasting in North America, providing consistently reliable reports for trucking, rail, and intermodal transportation, as well as providing demand analysis for commercial vehicle and rail car. For more information about the work of FTR, visit www.ftrintel.com or call us at 888-988-1699 to find out which publications will best support your business.